Let me uh, pray for us this morning. Almighty God and our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day, this uh, day of uh, uh, resurrection, this Lord's Day, this Sunday morning here in uh, Quinton. We thank you that you have brought us here. We thank you uh, for the words that we've been able to sing, the words of scripture that we've heard already. Lord, that you would minister uh, those words to us. Lord, that you would rouse us by your words. Lord, that you would stir us up to worship you, uh, to uh, long for you and for your rule and for your grace and mercy in our lives. And Lord, may we uh, uh, offer ourselves to you afresh in obedience as we think about your word this morning. Amen. Amen. Right, the uh, title for my message this morning <coughs> is The Risen King Who Keeps His Promise. The Risen King Who Keeps His Promise. And I feel uh, uh, a little bit encouraged already because of uh, the scriptures that, that Mark read. And I think the first song, worship song that we had this morning, which did contain in... It, in one of the lines, the word promise, or regarding the Lord's promise, because that's what we're going to be thinking about this this morning. So, uh, if there's anything you can take away from the message this morning, is the Lord keeps His promise. The Lord keeps His promise. What He says, He keeps. He's faithful to his word. And that is a wonderful truth and foundation for us to build our lives on, isn't it? The Lord keeps his promise. So hold on to that. You know, if, uh, if I send you to sleep, if you fall asleep, whatever, well, that's fine. But hold on to that. Because that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. That's the crutch. The Lord says something and he follows it through. He keeps his promise. We've already, in a sense, been thinking about, certainly with that wonderful passage from 1 Thessalonians. So um, I don't know if that, that's not a, a coincidence that Mark read that from that this morning. So we're going to be returning to Mark's Gospel. And this will be the penultimate message from Mark's Gospel. We're into chapter 16 and uh, this is the uh, second time we are visiting chapter 16 and I think this, there'll be one more message in Mark's Gospel and then we'll be bringing this series that we've been going through since I think is it 2020? This series, I think we start when we're on Zoom. So uh, it's just wonderful to see um, you all, because when we were meeting on Zoom, there was a lot few, lot less of us. So it's so encouraging uh, to think after about three years, you know, and Mark's still going through Galatians, you know how the Lord has blessed us here. 
I've brought you along here, and some of you for the first time this morning, perhaps. So Mark chapter 16, and uh, I'm going to uh, uh, read the whole chapter just so that we get a context. That's okay. So Mark 16. <coughs> now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said amongst themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. For they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at ta the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he had said to, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So a summary of our last of the last message, last time I was with you, and we're really kind of kind of revisiting uh, some of these themes, really, but re resurrection is a wonderful theme, isn't it? It's a wonderful topic, and really we can we can meditate and we can um, glory in the resurrection every Sunday, can't we? And and we do, you know, we we, we you know that is really something that we wonderful that Christians can do that we can uh, rejoice in the resurrection every week it's not just for 
for Easter time, which is surely approaching us, uh, but it's for every every uh, every day of the Christian's life that we can rejoice in the resurrection. But last time I was with you, we were looking really at the first eight verses and thinking about the ladies there first, at, you know, at the first on that first day. That Sabbath, the Sabbath was passed, uh, the three ladies going to the tomb. And we looked at the importance of the resurrection. We thought how important it was for Mark, as he, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing and penning this, this gospel. And you may recall that I quoted a commentator uh, called Larry uh, Hurtado, and he says this. Thus for Mark, this story was not an epilogue to his account of Jesus' ministry. Rather, it was the climatic revelation that vindicated Christian belief and made plain the true significance of Jesus. I think that's well said. Uh, and yes, for Mark, this is not just an epilogue. It's just not something tagged on in the end. This is all important. This is the climax. Jesus rising uh, from the, the, the grave. The tomb is empty. This is all important for Mark. And it's important for us. We consider the necessity, the necessity of, therefore, a high view of Scripture. You may remember that we, we thought about uh, the bishop of the, a previous Archbishop of Durham back in the 1980s who uh, had very, perhaps very liberal views about the resurrection and about other things as well. And we, re we really uh, uh, considered the importance for us as Christians, as believers, to have a high view of Scripture, a high view of God's Word. That, as, as I've said already, when God says something, he means it. He fulfills it. You know, Jesus um, did rise from the grave. Amen. That is a fact. Mm -hmm. And it's a fact that we can rejoice in and we can proclaim and we can stand on as a truth every Sunday. It's what we stand on, isn't it? So we considered that. We, we looked at the three women, Mary Magdalene, who's a very key uh, figure here, the mother of, of James and this lady Salome. There they're going to the tomb. We thought of their acts of devotion. We thought of the angel with a message. And in that message, an amazing announcement. And of course, they saw the evidence there. The, the tomb was empty, an empty tomb. And we as Christians, you know, we don't have a founder who's in some mausoleum somewhere where people do pilgrimages and so forth. We are people of with an empty tomb because he is risen. Hallelujah. He's risen. He's alive. And as Mark said, as, as we see at the end of the, uh, towards the end there, in that final session, he's now at the right hand of the Father, as, as we see in, in Hebrews chapter 1. He's ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's now glorified, exalted. 
That's our Saviour. He's risen. He is the promise keeper. He keeps his promises. So getting back to our summary of our, our last my my uh, last message, we, we looked at these ladies, we looked at these um, um, acts of devotion, their, their, their faith, uh, the angel with the message, the angel's announcement. We thought, why the resurrection is such good news for believers, isn't it? Why is the resurrection so important? And why is it so beneficial for us? So we thought about the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection. Eternal life. That is what is promised to us, isn't it? Forgiveness of sins. And the transformation in glory. Which we all look forward to if we belong to Christ. And, you know, we, we have some sadness at the moment. We've lost two sisters. We've lost dear Pam. And uh, there are some of us who have got long... And very precious memories uh, of, of Pam and, and of, indeed of Shirley. Many of us can remember his, her, her wonderful singing voice. And that, that, that would grace this, the, the, this church. You know, we, we were getting some of us who are part of the older Quinton crew, we were, we were getting to know Shirley. And that was one of the, I guess, one of the abiding memories for us, wasn't it? That wonderful singing voice. Yeah. But think now, she's with her Lord and singing. And used to say that uh, there in glory, Pam and, and Shirley will be uh, meeting up with Mary Magdalene and the other ladies. And what, uh, what uh, um, talk they will have there in eternity. But that, that is the hope that we have, isn't it? And Jesus is promising that for us. And we thought about that. These benefits of the resurrection for us. An old um, Bible teacher, I think he was at Keswick, he was one of the kind of sort of figures that were there, was there at the Keswick. Some of us are aware of the Keswick Convention. Um, he says this, Christ never forgets his appointments. Christ never forgets his appointments. Remember that. He keeps his promises. He keeps his appointments. Now here, question, quick question for you. Are you good at keeping your word? Are you good at keeping promises? Uh, some of us are parents, so we might know a bit about this. I know to my cost what failure in that department looks like. I'm, look, I'm talking to the parent mums and dads now. I know to my cost what failure in that department looks like. And those, those familiar words that we've all at some point have heard. Dad, you did promise. Mum, I thought you said. But you did promise. You know, there's that, that hope there in that little part there of that child, you know, your youngster, and you've clearly forgot, haven't you? There's something that we've forgotten. We've got busy, life's busy, isn't it? And we perhaps said, well, maybe if we've got time, we can do X, Y, Z, or go here, or go to such and such, and that little voice saying, oh, but you did promise that. <laughs> but you know what? 
our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ keeps his promise. And as that uh, gentleman, um, um, Mr. Scroge says, Christ never forgets his appointments. And my key verse here, I've got two key verses for you. I guess it's back in verse 7, because I've been drawn back to it, where the angel says to them, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. And it's it's worded differently in in the other Gospels, um, um, synoptic Gospels. So that's Matthew and Luke. I think in Luke, I think in one of them, it's, it has the word "behold." Well, in in the older translations, it, it uses the word "behold." It is as he said to you, and we see that's that's fulfilled. Jesus indeed risen. He is he's. This has been proven to these ladies. And this angel is now saying, well, he told you, he told the disciples, he's going on ahead to Galilee, just as he told you. And that is good news for us. My friends, this is good news for you this morning. It's good news, it really is. Because Jesus fulfills what he promises. And that, that, that's something to hold on to, isn't it? Whatever our situation is in our lives at the moment, Jesus fulfills his appointments. He doesn't forget them, unlike us. And that's an encouragement to us. And it's the big uh, kind of theme, you know, if this is takeaway uh, point, um, for this morning, it would be that Christ never forgets his appointments. Now, some of you might be sort of, um, some of you who are very scholarly uh, and knowledgeable uh, around the scriptures and the gospels. You might be thinking about Mark 16 and verses 9 to 20. I'm not going to say too much about that. Um, this is a sermon and not a Bible study. Uh, there is certain debate surrounding verses 9 to 20. Did Mark really write them? Uh, was he writing them as he was completing the gospel? And there are two camps um, among scholars on this. One advocating uh, that it is authentic. So they're, they're looking at... Um, um, manuscripts of the Gospels that are going back to manuscripts that perhaps no longer exist and there are arguments for that then there's another camp that believes that verses 9 to 20 is what we call a scribal edition that is at some point after the apostolic age people who are preserving Gospels and writing them down, and remember, everything was done by hand, there was no printers, there was no computers or anything, that uh, uh, because the copies that they had finished at verse 8, they thought, well, in order to be in line with the other Gospels, that they would add this summary, 
versus nine to twenty, which is what it what it it is. It's a very succinct summary uh, that is of uh, Christ's well three appearances, um, and so these these scribes, these people who were in the early church, added that. And uh, there are people who would argue for that. But there's nothing that's not uh, biblical or doctrinally correct in these verses. Um, it is canonical. It is acknowledged to be the first. But just to make that point, uh, in case some, it might be in, in some people's minds. Uh, so John MacArthur, Dr. John MacArthur, is somebody who contends that these verses aren't original. Uh, he does believe that they are canonical, that they're doctrinally right, there's, there's nothing in error here, uh, but they're not original to Mark. And he, for him, he thinks that it's perfectly uh, acceptable to um, view Mark as ending his gospel at verse 8 because uh, of the style and so forth. He thinks, and others perhaps might agree with him, that that's very in keeping with Mark's style, the way he would end a chapter. And of course there is everything really, the, the essentials are there, everything we need to know. Christ has risen, the tomb is empty, the angels have appeared to the women, they witness it, the, the angels give them this announcement and tell them to go and tell the disciples. For myself, I believe these verses are authentic, they are inspired, uh, and there is a case for treating them as such. Um, but I understand there are different kind of uh, uh, schools on this, but there is nothing um, untoward or um, unbiblical or, or out of sync in this final section, verses 9 to 20. Um, but we do pre we look at it in line with the other Gospels. And maybe for Mark, as a young man who was, if you like, part of the Acts team, you know, he's there in the book of Acts, he's, he's with the Apostles and, and particular Peter, that perhaps he had it in mind that his Gospel wouldn't be read alone, that it would be read with other writings. And uh, there is the link with uh, uh, chapter 1 of Acts, particularly the final section, verses 19 and 20. So maybe as, as a man who was writing down his gospel, and he's very, in his style, very succinct and to the point, um, perhaps uh, uh, that because of persecution and other pressures, uh, there are various views on that. Uh, but I, I personally will treat these verses as as true and, and we can preach on them along with the other Gospels. Perhaps it might be a, a theme or a topic for a future Bible study series. So I'm going to therefore return to what we've been thinking about and this, this theme of Jesus promising and fulfilling what he promises. And we see hope, hope rekindled with the resurrection. And we see not only hope, but amazing grace. We see amazing grace here, with uh, particularly Mary Magdalene.
which we're going to just now have have a real sort of think about this this woman. J.C. Ryle says this about what about the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is one of the foundation stones of Christianity. It was the seal of the great work that he came to do on earth. It was the crowning proof that the ransom he paid was for was accepted. The atonement for sin accomplished. The head of him who had the power over death of death bruised and the victory won. And this this is uh, can be applied to us now. This is our foundation stone. This is what we uh, are building our faith on. The fact that reality of the resurrection, that he's, he's accomplished this for us. And this is, uh, can be applied to this lady, uh, Mary Magdalene. And you might ask the question, when we think about Mary here in the narrative and in the other Gospels, particularly John, because John gives a lot of space and time for Mary and her interaction with the risen Lord in, in John 20, why was Mary the one who is the first person to encounter the risen Lord? Why Mary? Have you ever thought why? Why not a person of reputation? Maybe Joseph of Arimathea or Nicodemus. After all, they'd been the ones that had laid, taken the gun to Pilate uh, and and got the, uh, the 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 body of the Lord. They'd put him in a tomb. They'd anointed him. Uh, these these were men of good reputation. They were astute men. They were clever. They were educated men. Um, and the the witness of men in that the culture at the time counted more than that of women. Why not even perhaps Pilate himself? Pilate perhaps. Uh, uh, meeting the risen Lord, or the mother of Jesus, or not the disciples. Why was it Mary? Have you thought that? Have you ever wondered why it's Mary Magdalene who is the first to encounter Jesus? Well, the disciples perhaps were hiding and afraid. Uh, they were f- uh, uh, fearful. And sad that we were told that they were mourning. They were probably confused. We picked that up in Luke, uh, picked that up in Luke uh, 24, particularly when Jesus meets and walks with those the, the two men there in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. Uh, but it says Jesus said back in chapter 14, verses 27, that they were going to be scattered sheep. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So they are scattered, they're quivering, hiding in their homes, confused, what has happened, uh, their, their, their expectations have not been fulfilled. Their understanding was, of course, out out of kilter with what Jesus was constantly telling them. But you see, praise God, Jesus chose Mary. Mary was the one who who would uh, encounter Jesus, the risen Lord. 
And of course, she's a she's a, 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 a redeemed sinner. Because say along with Apostle Paul, it's I, it's me, I'm the chief of sinners. You know, there in um, uh, 1 Timothy 1, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 15, um, Paul is speaking of himself, you know, he's talking about Christ coming into the world to save sinners, of which I am <coughs> the chief. And Mary probably could well, well be qualified to say that of herself. I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. And when we look at her story, she well, she's a, a trophy of grace. Remember that old term, that old phrase, a trophy of grace? That's what Mary of Magdalene was. She's the one that encounters the Lord Jesus. See, it's, a, it's an example of great grace and mercy that Mary is the one that meets the Lord. And of course, her faith and her affection and her dedication to the Lord is rewarded. Because she's there with the ladies there, right in the beginning. They, they want to be there. They, they, they see that the tomb has got a stone, but that's not stopping them. That's not stopping Mary getting there because uh, her heart is so full of affection and worship towards the, the Lord Jesus Christ. She wants to be there to show this final act uh, uh, of, of love. Uh, and that's rewarded, isn't it? Because she's the one who meets the risen Lord. You see, Mary's heart was a transformed heart. She's a true example of a sinner saved by grace. And as somebody has, has spoken, she was greatly forgiven and she greatly loved. Her devotion and faith were rewarded. She was greatly forgiven and greatly loved. And verse 9 tells us, reminds us that uh, she had seven demons cast out of her. So she's really a trophy of grace. Um, you know, what, what's, what a life of of bondage to sin and darkness. And she had been were taken out of that. She'd been delivered, if you like, from the, the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. She had a, a transformation. She was a true example of a sinner saved by grace. And we have to see, see ourselves in that way because, you know, we're all sinners. We're all wretch, wretches like Mary. We all need that encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need that to see that encounter with the risen, resurrected Christ. And here's a challenge for us. Are we passionate about the Lord? Are we really passionate about the Lord? Because that's one of the challenges here, isn't it? I mean, it could it could have gone this way that that yes, it would it might have been somebody like uh, Nicodemus, with all his learning, this astute man, this very clever man, man who obviously had his heart warm before the Lord. He he was a, a secret disciple, uh, and in some ways, it kind of would make sense that you'd have somebody like him to be there 
in, in you know at the tomb meeting the risen Lord. But no, it's Mary, Mary Magdalene. And this is this is wonderful, isn't it? Because she's got she hasn't got a leg to stand on. She's got no reputation. She's a woman. Uh, she's probably lived a life of sin, and uh, she she's got no nothing to, to to stand on except the fact that she's been redeemed. She's been transformed by the Savior. I was thinking of that hymn that Mark often quotes by William Reed Newell and uh, I'm sure we have we do sing it from time to time here uh, and I was thinking it, it was coming to me in the words particularly the chorus um, just speaking about this love that is that that is kind of bestowed on this this woman this woman and this trophy of grace and this is, I think, the final verse that says this. All the love that drew salvation's plan, all the grace that brought it down to man, all the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mm -hmm. And then the chorus. And some of us know it. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Yes, there was great mercy. Great mercy was shown to this, this woman. And Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 1, there's a section there. Paul is speaking in his introduction to the Corinthians, and he's reminding them uh, that, uh, yeah, we don't have, uh, before God, we don't have a leg to stand on. It's all of grace. And he says this, verse 25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. And then verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who have become for uh, to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, that everyone who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Mary Magdalene, that, that would have been her boast. She wouldn't have had any anything else to boast in except the Lord Jesus Christ and what he had done for her. So the question is there, are we passionate for the Lord like she was? It's a challenge for us, isn't it, this morning? But she um, had received mercy, she had received hope, and now she had a living hope. There's hope for Mary. She's met the risen Lord, this, this uh, man that had transformed her life, that had spoke life in, in, into her dark situation. 
and now she's um, um, met him he's risen and she now knows that hope and uh, uh, she's uh, got something that is far more precious than all the learning all the learning that the, the, the scholars in the, the rabbinical schools of the day had she has something far more precious she had that knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ she had experienced that transforming power and now she had come face to face with the risen Lord himself yes she had been a wretch in bondage to sin under the influence of evil spirits uh, but what a trophy of grace she had seen the empty tomb encountered the angel received the announcement and the command uh, on, part, on the behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ to go and declare this the Lord is risen indeed his words are true he keeps his appointments he keeps his, his promises hallelujah and Jesus says but after I've been raised I will go before you to Galilee chapter 14 and how quick the disciples with all their keenness, Peter, with all his, his, his enthusiasm and his uh, bravado. And yet, it was Mary, Mary Magdalene, that encounters the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's amazing. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul to the young pastor Titus in the introduction and greeting to that letter. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which he caused with godliness. And this is, this is verse 2. Listen to this. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. That promise, that, that truth, was a reality. For Mary, it was a reality for the disciples, and if you go into Acts, we read that over 500 people knew that reality because they they had encountered the living Savior. That was true for them. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before time began, before the ages began. Maybe underline that. In your Bibles. It's a wonderful verse. There it is, right in Paul's introduction, his greeting, his salutation, as it is the posh word for it, to this young man, Titus. There he is. He's outlining uh, his his job description, if you like, as, a, as Paul, a servant, uh, a slave uh, of God, an apostle for the sake of the elect. <coughs> And in the knowledge of the truth which they hold common. This truth in hope of eternal life. And that's us, isn't it, as Christians. And for Pam and for Shirley, that was true for them, wasn't it? It's what brought Pam out in all kinds of weathers. And for some of us who know, remember Pam, Pam would be here, wouldn't she? She'd be at the prayer meeting. And, uh, uh, you know, it was because she had that hope, didn't she? She knew 
a redeemer liveth and that she would one day see him now she said something to Avril and Avril will correct me if I quote it if I don't quote it quite right but recently Pam said something uh, to the the effects you know because they were talking and you know Pam said well these earth suits don't last forever and that's true our earth suits don't last forever but we know Pam had that hope because she knew her, her Lord and Saviour, that he keeps his promises, that he has promised her eternal life. All the benefits we thought in the past message, we kind of touched on today, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and that future uh, new body that we will have in glory, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ forever. She, she knew that. It's what brought her here to this church. It's what spurred her to serve the Lord in this place for all those years. Amazing. And the same for Shirley. We, we, some of us were only get, really getting to know Shirley. But I believe she was a lady who had stood on the promises of God. Yeah. She was one who, who knew this. In hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began yes the lord jesus christ the great the triune god keeps his promises he will keep his promise to you brothers and sisters if you're saved if you have been born again if you have had the spirit of god uh, renew you and regenerate you give you new life give you a new heart he will keep his promises to you. Brothers and sisters, this, hold on to this. This is a message um, to encourage you. And if you want to be un underlining things, please do. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's anybody here who is, cannot say these things, my friends, there's a challenge for you this morning. And the challenge comes from Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene would challenge you. And the disciples would disciple you. To do what Mary does. To seek the Saviour. Seek the risen Lord. And to meet with him. Meet him. There is no formula prayer that we can just recite and then everything's okay. You know, you may have heard of the sinner's prayer. Well, my friends, we can do that. But we need to get down on our knees and we need to seek the Lord, don't we? We need to seek his face. We need to go into that closet and bow the knee and seek that God that we might know this hope of eternal life, might know that the blessedness of knowing that we have passed from death to life my friends if you don't know the lord jesus christ as your personal savior uh, may i really challenge you to think about these things because it's of eternal consequences you know you can uh, uh, go and what is it gocompare.com if you want a new washing machine <laughs> you can make you can Make, do all the review. Look at all the reviews you like. You can, 
you can finally choose your washing machine you can go and you can get a good deal and if it's not a good deal if you've made a mistake it has certain consequences but my friends it is not of eternal consequences but this is this matter is of eternal urgency please seek the Lord Jesus Christ seek him you have a burden of sin and it needs to be relieved Christ is the one who can take it and Christ can take it because he not only went to the cross and died for sin he rose again and so he can fulfill his promises and but there's that wonderful verse isn't there that Jesus Jesus will in no wise cast turn anyone, anyone away who comes to him if we come to him earnestly and seeking the risen Christ he will accept you Christ keeps his promises Christ keeps his appointments make sure you make an appointment with him as Mary did Amen let me pray for us Father we thank you for your gospel we thank you that it's good news that it's good news for eternity not just for a few years in this life not just a, a, a nice lifestyle to live that's slightly better than other lifestyles but that we can have a transformation we can have our sins dealt with we can have a new heart and we can have the promise of eternity with you and father that's the, the greatest thing that we could ever possibly desire and lord we 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 want to to know that reality and so lord minister your your words and your truth to us today and may lord that you might really uh, take hold of us and that we might truly know that hope of eternal life of the, of god who never lies you don't lie you keep your promises amen, amen. amen.